thank we you have for joining us for this message from message. Cornerstone Community Church Father's in Lynchburg, Virginia. Is, Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Included everybody on that day, so that's what we want to do, include everybody. Uh, today's title is Be Who You Are. Be Who You Are. And I know that uh, you're going to be blessed by it. And I wanted to start off by just giving you an example, an illustration of the message. I was looking at a DVD uh, a long time ago. It's called The Kingdom of Heaven. And the Muslims were fighting to take control over Jerusalem. And they were making a stand, supposedly the Crusaders and, and the ones who were supposed to be Christians were making a stand in Jerusalem to, to not allow them to do that. And the Muslims had killed most of the, matter of fact, killed all of the people just about, except the ones that were in Jerusalem. And they had this one person who, um, he was... He was trying to rally the, the, the morale up with those who were in Jerusalem. And, and one of the priests said, well, how are we going to win? How are we going to fight? How are we going to do anything? And we don't have any knights because all the knights had, had, um, had left, run away uh, because they didn't like what was going on with who was in charge of the thing. And... So the, the lead, leading char- character, he looked at all the men all around in Jerusalem on the walls, and he said, everybody kneel. And so they knelt, and he used one person he was in front of, and he made all of them knights at one time. And then, then everybody stood up, and then the priest said, do you really think that just because you made them a knight, that automatically they're going to be able to fight. They're going to know how to fight. And the camera showed, scanned the men, and the men, uh, teenagers and all, they were saying in their faces, yes, yes, because we were made nice, we, we, we can fight. And it was, it, was, it was a marvelous illustration because they went on, they did go on to, uh, to fight. They, they went on to whole Jerusalem, and matter of fact, the Muslims, even though the Muslims outnumber them about 10 to 1, uh, they, the Muslims said, look, if you give us Jerusalem, we will uh, give you all your lives, the women, the children, everybody, and you can leave, and we'll escort you to the sea. And so they won a victory uh, that way because they would have been slaughtered. Otherwise, God was in their favor. Uh, but the thing is that if you're going to be who you are, once, you, once they were knighted, they fought. They rose to the occasion. And you heard the saying, in, in, I guess you, in the world is saying that the clothes make the man. Uh, sometimes when you wear a uniform, you become what you're supposed to be because you wear the uniform. Uh, and, and so the title of the message is Be Who You Are. Oh, I want to I want to give about three points, and well, I do want to give three points, and I want to emphasize that that message: be who you are. 
Now let's start off with just a, a little example here. Who are you? Who are you? If you're going to be who you are, who are you? God has said some things about you, and, um, and do, but do we believe it? Do we really believe it? Let's say in Genesis, for the fathers, for the men, uh, to be fathers, for everybody. Let's ask you a question. What has God said about you? Who has he said that you are? And if you think about it in Genesis, he made man so special, so special. Because when he made the first man, that man was going to be a father. Is that correct? He was going to be a father because he told, he, he told him uh, to uh, go multiply the planet's earth. So he was going to be a father. When he made man, he made man special. Special. That's the first point. Fathers are special. Fathers to be are special. Even if you're not a father here today, if you, you know, you, you have you have the capabilities inside of you to be a father. God has made you special. Special. And I want you to know that today. Because society will tell you that you're not special. Society will try to make you believe that, that, that you are less than who you are. But I want you to know that you're special. God called you special. He, he created you special. What else did he do for man to know that for man to know that he was very special. Do you know that he brought all of the animals and and and, and cattle everything to him, and say you name them, you name them, whatever you name them, that's what they will be. That is special. That is special. So Adam named all of the animals, all of the creatures. And that's exciting because it was just God, Adam, and the animals at that time. What else did he do for Adam to let Adam know he was special? He made Adam a helper that was fit for him, didn't he? Somebody to compliment him. He actually built a woman just for Adam, didn't he? Just for Adam. He's letting Adam know how special, how special you are to me. He didn't just, out of the dirt, make, make a, a woman. He built this woman out of a rib that he had taken from Adam. He allowed Adam to name that female woman. Didn't he? Adam was the one who named the woman. And so women are called women now because of Adam. Also, he gave the woman her name, Eve. Adam was the one that called her Eve. Men are very special before God. And I want you to know that today because sometimes, sometimes I know in the past I've given uh, Father's Day messages. I've
giving Mother's Day messages, and it seems like all all the time you tell me that your Mother's Day message was very very good. It was very inspiring. Uh, man, the, the Father's Day message just still beat us up, you know. So, <laughs> so I was saying, oh my goodness, that was not my intent to beat you up. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's always something that we can improve on, isn't it? Always something we can improve on. But we're not talking about improving today. We're talking about being who we are today. That's what we're talking about, being who we are. Let's go to, uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and see what it says also about Adam, how special Special, special, special Adam was to to God and man. Uh, in verse 2 of chapter 11, it says, Now I praise you because you remember me and everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of of the woman or his, 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 his wife, and God is the head of Christ. Every man who has, his, has um, something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head, but every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head, for she is one and the same as the woman who, whose head is shaved. For if the woman does not cover her head, let her also have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to have his head covered since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man or her, or her husband. Now, when God states that through the Apostle Paul, do we understand what he's saying here, that the, that the man, I'm saying that the man reflects and, and, and expresses who I am. That's what he's saying. He says, for man does not originate from woman, but woman from the man. And indeed, the man is not created for the woman's sake, but the woman for the man's sake. It's repeating what he said in Genesis. Therefore, a woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor man independent of a woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has birth, his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. So he, he, he's setting things in order, but he's saying that man is very special. In Ephesians, you know how special a father is. You know how special men are because he says that Anytime you get married, that you reflect Christ in the church, the man is the one who reflects Christ. The man reflects Christ. So he's saying that man is very important, isn't he? He's very important. A husband is very important. And, and that's what he's saying here, that a father, because when he's talking about the man, he's talking about the uh, the husband and the wife, he's talking about now you, when you have children, if you don't establish the, the right order, if you don't establish who you are before you have children, it's going to be hard to establish that after you have children. You got to know who you are so you can, so, so
So when you have children, you can teach and reflect that, not by what you say, but by what you do. And what you say and how you respond uh, to your wife and all those things because children pick up more by what they see and hear than what you tell them. Fathers, you are very special. Fathers-to-be, you are very special before God. Now, point number two is that fathers and men, you must be, you must be who you are because you have an enemy working against you. And we have to realize that the enemy doesn't want you to be who you are. He really doesn't. He really doesn't. He wants you to believe a lie. That's what he wants you to believe, a lie. Because the devil is a liar and the father of lies. He has schemes or devices and we can't be ignorant of his schemes and devices, but he has them because what he's trying to do is whatever order God sets, he wants to destroy that order in order to dishonor God. He wants to, 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 for God to know that he can affect people's lives more than God can. So he wants to make sure he does everything to discredit God. Let's look in in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Let's go there. It says, be sober. Be of sober spirit. Be on alert. Your adversary, and it tells us who the adversary is, the devil, prowls around, King James might say walks around, walks through from, like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We do not want him to devour our men. We don't want him to devour our fathers because that's what he is trying to do. He walks around to see who he can devour. And let me tell you, it is not an easy thing if you don't have Jesus Christ to try to keep him from devouring. And I can say that it's impossible without Christ. Let me give you a a statistic. A statistic says that one-third, one-third now, of children grew up in a fatherless home as far as their biological father. One third of all children grew up in a father's home, a home without their biological father. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of children don't have what God has set in 
motion in Genesis, in the beginning. A lot of people don't experience it. I'm one of them didn't experience it. I was not in, raised in a home with my biological father. I knew who he was. I visited him every other weekend. Uh, but he was not in, in my home. And it's a lot of people like that. A lot of people. Matter of fact, it says that 39%, and so we're going higher than 33 and 30%, 39% of the, of the of school-age kids from grade 1 through 12 don't have a biological father in their home. Now it's getting up near 40% now. That's rough, isn't it? That's rough. And they also have done studies to show that if you don't have your father in your home, you're more apt to fall into situations, whether it be drugs, whether it be alcohol, whether it be uh, prison, whether it be... It's a lot of kids whose parents, whose fathers incarcerated. A lot of kids. So it's not, I'm not just whistling Dixon when I say that the, the, that the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour what God has placed in order because God has said that, the, that, the, that it's good when he put things in motion on the sixth day. He said it's good when his letters create man in our image, man, male and female. That was good. But he meant for it to be a father, a mother, marriage, and having children, and stand together. That's what he meant. That's the order. That's the best for kids. That's the best for husband and wife. It's the best. Two people loving God Two people that's, that's flat out for God. That's what he wants. That's what he always wants. Now, I know that the enemy has been at work ever since chapter 3 of Genesis. I know that. I know that the devil's been, been murdering, lying, and doing everything Ever since Cain and Abel. Hasn't he? Yeah. So, even though the enemy has been wreaking havoc, I think, over families, I thank God for the grace of God who has kept families and helped families even though they didn't have a father in the home. Because there have been plenty single-parent homes where the children raised above what statistics said it would do. I thank God for that. I thank God for, for God. Because God said, I'll be a father to the fatherless. I'll be a husband to the, to the one without a husband. So we have to look to God. But still, we have to realize what God's standard is. So I'm saying make sure that we realize that 
God wants you to be who you are, and the devil is going to try to destroy it. Let's look at Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. And in Zechariah, it's an interesting something. Jesus quoted it in Matthew. He said, verse 7, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man my associate, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd that the sheep may be scattered. And Jesus was, was quoting that when he told his disciples that, you know, that they're going to scatter. And it says that, and I will turn my hand against the little one. You know, when I, I make application to this, I said, wow. Isn't that what the enemy is trying to do? He's trying to get rid of the shepherd at a home. Because the pastor of his family is that, that husband. He's the pastor of his family. And if you get rid of the, and a pastor is a shepherd. That's all a pastor is a shepherd. And it, one who feeds, one who cares for, loves, and, and, and all like that. If you get rid of the shepherd of that family, the enemy tries to now destroy the little one. That's what he's trying to do. That's what he's trying to do. Just like a snake, what you want to do with a snake is destroy the head. If you, if, you, if, you, if you crush his head, then you got him. He can wiggle his tail all he wants to, you know, and usually that's what they do, you know, when you, when, you, when you crush the head. They still got a little life and be squirming around, but they're dead. You know, they're, they're, they're not going anywhere. Um, that's what the enemy tries to do to the family. Stamp out the head. If I can get the head, then I, I can take care of the rest of them. We have to stand against that in the church of the living God. We cannot allow the enemy to destroy our families. We have to encourage our teenage sons, our young uh, fourth graders, First graders, we have to start from the womb, speaking the word of God over our children, whether it's a male or female. When they come out of the womb, we need to be speaking the word of God over them because we are trying to lead them by what the word of God says. You raise your children. Uh, you first do the word of God, it says in Deuteronomy 6, and then you teach it to your children. How often do you teach it to your children? <coughs> How often? All the time, is it? That's basically what it is, all the time. I don't care where you're sitting. I don't care whether you're, where, you're, where you're lying down. I don't care where you're walking by the wayside. I don't care where you're riding. I don't care where you're, where you're skating. I don't care what you're doing. You, you, know, you put it on your, on your doorpost. You put it across your lunch. You put it everywhere. It's the word of God. That's what it is. And that's what he wants. Because the enemy wants to try to destroy that. So you've got to start bringing them up to know who they are. Most people don't know who they are in the Lord. They really don't. 
Jesus, on the other hand, wants us to know the truth. That's what he wants us to know. Let's look at it in John 17. 17. The Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 17. Jesus was praying, one of the longest recorded prayers. It says, Sanctify them in the truth. What's the truth? Your word is truth. That's what it says. Your word is truth. We have to set our lives apart. That's what sanctify means, to set apart unto something, from something. From the world system to the Word of God. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As long as we are teaching the truth, as long as we are memorizing the truth, confessing the truth, and living the truth, we're going to stay and continue to be sanctified. That's what he wants us to do. Fathers, fathers to be. It's very important to be who you are. Be who you are. Don't allow the enemy to tell you you're someone else. Who does God say you are? Who does he say you are? That's the third point. Who does he say you are? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's look there. 5.17. It's a great, great, great verse worth memorizing so you can confess it when the enemy throws something at you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creature. The old things were passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God. These new things, all these new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God says you are a new creation. Creation. You're new. If I went back, and I, I don't even go back, um, they sent me a thing for a, a reunion, class reunion of NCC, which is North Carolina Central, where I went to college. And my fraternity brothers and all of them, they want, they want you know, to come back. There's no need for me to go back because that Willa Taylor died. Really? He doesn't exist. 
they won't, not only, they probably wouldn't recognize me for the way I look because I've gotten, you know, what we're talking about from the time I was 18, 19, 20, 21. And now, my, I have changed just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Matter of fact, we had, uh, had, had uh, elders and wives over and we were having fun. Uh, uh, Sam Dawson, one of our elders, said, Hey, look at these pictures. Uh, who, who are those people right there? I said, I don't know who those people are. <laughs> there were people from our church a long time ago. I said, I don't know who they are. I said, you got to know who they are. Look at them again. Who are they? I don't know. And uh, you know who it was? Me, the Minerva. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. <laughs> That's pitiful, isn't it? <laughs> when you don't even recognize yourself. Justin and Jacob, don't recognize yourself. That's bad, isn't it? That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> so, so things change. <laughs> People change a little bit. You know? Yeah, they change a little bit. So I know there's no way they will recognize me because I'm not the same. Not only physically, but spiritually. Not the same. Not the same. And I said, well, I could go back and, and then witness to him. Uh, but it's not the atmosphere to witness. Really, that's what it's not the atmosphere. They're, they're there for a joyous occasion. They're going to be, you know, uh, just having fun, drinking, dancing, having fun. And that's not going to be the atmosphere conducive for you witnessing anybody. Okay, so never been, haven't been to my high school either. And I know that would be a trip. <laughs> that would be a trip. Are you a new creature? See, the enemy will tell you, you're not, you're the same old, same old. Look at it, same, same, doing the same thing, got the same habits, you know, making the same mistakes. You haven't changed a bit. Don't believe that. Believe what God says. God says you are a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things are new. And you say, well, uh, I want to be honest, though. I haven't arrived. I'm still, you know, trying to overcome. Yes. You, you still might be making mistakes. You still might be, uh, you are trying to overcome. There's no problem with that. But you're still a new creature. It's not the old man the same, making the same mistakes. It's the new man that's making mistakes and trying to overcome and trying to get away from that lifestyle of that flesh, and sometimes you have to get away from people that uh, try to draw you back into a lifestyle that you don't want to be in. Sometimes you have to sever relationships in order to go on with your new self. 
because they might not want to go on with you if they haven't changed. But it's a, it's a big difference, a big difference between a new creature trying to go forward and the old man trying to go forward. It's a world of difference. Because the old man is going to come up at the same place 50 years from now because they never changed. A new man is going to get better and better and better. Going to get more and more sanctified, more and more sanctified. That's what they're going to do because you're a new creature. You cannot, you cannot stay the same if you're born again, have given your life to Jesus Christ. You can't stay the same because he says you're a new creature and he says that, that you can't continue to sin if his seed is in you. You can't continue to sin. So even though you might make mistakes, even though you may fall, you get up and you go forward. That's what God is calling us to do. That's who he said that I am. That's who said that you are as a father, as a son. So don't let anybody tell you that you are the same. You're not the same. I don't care what society try to do. Another thing God does is call those things that be not as though they were. That's what he does. So that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to call those things that be not as though they were. Let's look at it in, in, in Romans chapter 4. And let's start in verse 16. says, for this reason, it is by faith in order that it may be according to grace so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you in the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead, and calls into being that which does not exist. That's what God does. Calls into being those things that does not exist. When you are born again, God starts calling you a mighty man of God. That's what he starts calling you. Mighty man of God. You, you look around and say, who's a mighty man? I, I, I called a young fellow years ago. I called him on the phone, uh, and his wife answered the phone. I said, let me speak to the mighty man. I said, uh, where's the mighty man? She said, taking care of the mighty baby. I said, <laughs> <laughs> I said oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I was calling those things that be that <laughs> as though they were. As though they were. That's what God does, doesn't it? He? he calls it into existence. 
in hope against hope, verse 18 says, he believed. And so that, so that he might become the father of many nations according to, to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. What has God spoken? He says you're a new creature. He says you're the, you're the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. He says that you're sanctified. He says you're holy. That's what God says. He says you're pure. He says when, he, when you confess your sin, he says he forgives you, you, forgives you of your sin. Then he says he cleanses you of all unrighteousness. That's what he says. So not only are you forgiven, but you're clean. Clean. The devil wants to tell you, oh, you know what you did? Oh, my goodness gracious, you can forget it. You can forget it now. You know, yeah, you think you love the word of God. Look at the word of God, what it says. That's not you because you did this, you did this. Look at you. You're never going to be the same. You might as well hang it up. That's what he wants to tell you. And you said, no, no, I, I, no, that's not true because I've asked God to forgive me. So all that's been forgiven and I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm holy. I'm a pure vessel. I'm meat for the master's use. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. Aren't you? God has said all those things, hasn't he? If he said it, then do you believe it? That's what, that's what you're going to have to believe, what God says. See, it says in verse 19, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. That's what he wants us to do. He doesn't want us looking at the circumstances, looking in the mirror, in ourselves, and thinking, woe is me. He wants us looking at the bigness of our God. Isn't that what got the children of Israel in trouble when he brought them out of Egypt? They were looking at their circumstances. They were looking at the situation and then they start murmuring and saying things that was not God's word. It was, matter of fact, opposite of what God has said. God says, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt to take you into the promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey. You're not going to have to worry about houses and planting vineyards. I'm going to disperse the people who are, who've already built those things, I'm going to give it to you. So the first thing they faced was the Red Sea. And Pharaoh coming, dust flying, to kill him. I'll bring him back. 
what would you have done? If you were camped by the Red Sea, and you, you heard all the chariots, you heard the horses, you saw the dust flying, the scout came back and said, it's Pharaoh and his whole army, they're coming, and they're mad, and you see the Red Sea is, is high, you know you can't cross it, you know you don't have any boats, you know you can't swim, what are you going to do? And that's what they did. The first thing, why did you bring us out? First thing, why did you bring out Moses? Moses, we told you to leave us alone. We should have stayed there. Well, they were crying out to God while they were there. God, deliver us from this bondage. God, help us. God sends help. Now they want to go back as soon as it looks like they're going to die. Isn't that the way God is? He wants to bring you to a point where circumstances doesn't phase you. Circumstances don't phase you. What you see, it doesn't phase you. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to, your biggest reality to be his word and his goodness, his grace. That's what he wants you to focus on. So Joshua and Caleb, the bigness of their God was bigger than the giants. They're supposed to have known that God didn't bring us out. If he brought us to this Red Sea, he must going to do something spectacular. He's already done miracles in our lives to get us out of there. See, they didn't realize he didn't take them the way of the Philistines because they didn't know war, war so that he didn't want them to go that way. So he said, let me take them where they don't have to fight anybody yet. So he took them out of the Red Sea. Is the hand of God too short? Is his muscles too weak to get you to be the man of God, the father that you're supposed to be, the husband that you're supposed to be, is he too weak to cause that to happen? He was not too weak to open the Red Sea, was he? Has it ever been done before? Not to not record it. Not record it. How's he gonna do it? How's he gonna do it? Most of how how they crying me blues about meat. How am I gonna give them meat? When we kill all the cattle and we give them all the fish in the sea, how can I feed this 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 this, this group of people? Six six hundred thousand men, not counting women and children. Over a million people. How how is God going to give them meat to eat for a whole month? How is he going to do that? We don't have to figure out how. Because they didn't know how. We don't have to figure out how is God going to do this thing. How is God going to get your finances 
in the right place? How is he going to get your job in the right place? How is he going to get your children in the right place? How is he going to get your marriage in the right place? How is he going to get me to be the man of God that he's called me to be? How is he going to change my personality so I'm, I'm, I'm stronger in areas where I'm weak now? How is he going to do that? God can do it any way he pleases. All I have to do is think about, hey, God, I love you. I worship you, God. However you do it, that's on you. I'm just going to believe you're going to do it. That's what God wants. And see, the enemy says, hey, look, look there. Look, look, look there. See? He won't even teach the children the word of God. And he knows he's supposed to teach them. The pastor just said in Deuteronomy, they're supposed to teach them when they rise up, when they sit down, when, they, when he rises up, you know, he wants to eat. And then he goes, and when he goes to bed, he goes, he goes to sleep, and he doesn't pay no attention to the children. He's not, you know, uh, cultivating the garden like I asked for a garden. He's not doing the garden. He doesn't do the things I want him to do. And he's already know that, that he's supposed to be like Christ. He's supposed to provide. He's not doing all those type of things. See, as long as you're saying those things, you are agreeing with the enemy. Because you should be saying, he's going to teach them. He's going he's gonna to cultivate God. He's going to be the mighty man that God has called him to be. That's what he's going to be. How's that going to ever happen? I don't know. Right? All we know is that God says he's supposed to be. Now, if he's a new creature, then all old things pass away. Behold, all things are new. And Someone who has God's seed in him can't continue to sin. So we know he's going to get better and better, one way or the other. Right? God knows how to get blood from a turnip. Do you hear what I'm saying? He does. That's what they say, you can't get blood from a turnip. Don't, don't make that statement about, you know, your children, about your, you know, they'll never change. You can't get blood from a turnip. No, 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 no. If, they already showed you if you can turn water into wine, you can get blood from a turtle. Can't you? Yeah. God is good. Okay? And I want you to know, fathers, that God has called you to be who you are. Fathers to be, he's called you to be who you are. Start training for reigning. That's right. Women start calling those things that be not into existence if they are in the word. If they're in the word, call them into existence. Call them over your children. Call them over your husband. Call them into existence. Because that's all God's looking for. Somebody to repeat his word to him. That's what he's doing. That's what Moses did. God said, I'm going to destroy Moses. I'm going to destroy him. Just just get away from me. I'm going to destroy him. Oh, God, don't destroy him. If you destroy them, what are people going to say? God, you said that you are loving kind. You said you are forgiving. You said you are compassionate. You said you are long-suffering. God, you said these things. Okay, I'll do as you said. It's not what Moses said. 
All Moses said is what he said. The children of Israel did, did the same thing. Man, you brought us up. Look at, look at what's happening here. We don't have food. We don't have water. Man, our children are prey for us. We're going to die. God says, that's all right. That was the tenth time he, they, they complained. That's all right. That's the tenth time now. That's it. That's, it's done. Those that are 20 years old, above, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to die in the wilderness. Those who you say are going to be prey, I'm going to keep them alive. I'm going to bring them in. In other words, God says, I have heard you complaining in my ears. So, hey, the worst thing that we can do is complain. It is. Don't complain if you are in your parents' home. Don't complain about your parents. Don't complain about your husband. Don't complain about your wife. Don't complain about this. Don't complain about that. God does not like grumblers and complainers. That's what he says in, in, in the word of God. He says in more than one place. He says in the New Testament. In Ephesians, he doesn't want grumbling and murmuring and complaining. Why doesn't he want murmuring and complaining? Because He's a great God because he is the changer of circumstances. If you complain, that means you don't have faith in him. And he's saying that every complaint you make, I hear. And you're telling me that I can't change it. Instead of coming to your great God, you are in the spirit realm, putting out negative things that the enemy is going to bring to pass. Because that's what the enemy tries to do. He listens to what you say. Hey, that's what they say. Hey, let's do it. Because the first thing that happens when you say, say something negative and the enemy tries to bring it to pass, you agree with it. I told you so. See, that's how we agree. I told you so. I, I knew it was going to happen. No, 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 no. Let's don't, let's don't join with the enemy. He's a liar. And the father lies. He tried to get you to lie. Have God said this? Did he not? Oh, this is not going to be true. No. We're going to agree with God. Fathers, be who you are. Be who God says you are. Okay? Husbands who are fathers to be, those who are male singles who are going to be fathers one time, be who God has said you are. Be who you are. Okay? Be who you are. Don't allow the enemy to tell you anything any different. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.